This is the Bama Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today we are joined by Kevin Chandler, author of the book We Carry Kevin and founder of the nonprofit organization We Carry Kevin. He grew up in the foothills of North Carolina and has a bachelor's degree in counseling from John Wesley College. He was the second of his siblings to be diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy, but he left his wheelchair behind and traveled across Europe with friends for three weeks in a backpack, the subject of his book. He's gone on to inspire and enable so many others to find this kind of adventure through their own communities. Kevin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Kevin, we got to ask you if there's anything you would add to that. I mean, that was a pretty good introduction. I want to add like sound effects and everything to that. Um, But anything you would add to, uh, you know, the finer things of life? What, What else do we need to know about you and your growing family and all of those kind of things? Tell us more. Yeah. Um, so I, I got married last year, uh, which was a really awesome thing. Probably the best thing in my life next to salvation. Um, I, um, my wife's name is Katie and, um, yeah, we, we met, um, when our, when my friends and I went to China, which was a follow-up to our, uh, trip to Europe, um, when we left my wheelchair and, um, we just hit it off back in 2018 and, um, our friendship grew into, uh, a marriage in 2020. So we had a fun little COVID wedding and, um, yeah, survived that. So, uh, we, um, live in Fort Wayne and, um, just, um, yeah, enjoying, enjoying life together. So, uh, some other finer things I am obsessed with pears the fruit. And, um, I don't know. I feel like since you said the finer things, I should mention something about cheese, but nothing comes to mind. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that. I do love cheese as well. (laughs) Well, that's great. Um, maybe you can also share a little bit about how, you know, Marty or how you found Bama or whatever the connection is that, uh, that brought us all together today. Yeah, I am. I'm so I learned about Bama from, uh, my friends, the Fingerleys, and um, uh, my other friends, the Dead, the, the Edmonds, Damon Edmonds and his wife, um, they they all were listening um, to you guys and a few years ago, and, and even met Marty and and everything, and um, just thought, oh, this would be something that Katie and I would enjoy, um, both as a podcast, and then also uh, they wanted for us to meet Marty and, and spend time with him. So, uh, so we, we started listening to the show starting way back at the beginning, uh, in Genesis appropriately and, and, um, just moved on up from there and, uh, really, really enjoyed it and benefited for benefited from it. Um, it's been fun, you know, in this first, uh, year and a half of marriage for that to be part of our, uh, dialogue as we, um, you know, when you're first married, you're, you, uh, create shared experiences and shared terminology and things like that. So it's been, um, a joy to have, uh, the teachings of, of Bema be part of that. And so, um, a few months ago, Marty was passing through with his family and we got to um, hang out and have a meal together and, um, it was great. So here we are. 
Oh, yes, I, I can. Oh, the fingerlies. Every time you say that name, my heart warms just a <laughs> tad bit. Um, right. <laughs> they're such good people. I remember meeting them. I remember her telling me about this Kevin character and his story and how she met him and his nonprofit work. I remember um, uh, her saying we had to like meet and I had to meet him. And there was this other guy named Damon that she knew. And I, I had to meet him. And, and that was, that was, I mean, that was the, the story was incredible. That was all well and good. And then somewhere along the way, Maria said something about how Kevin had this uh, love of a good friend of his named Andrew Peterson, who is one of my favorite artists. Like, and I I immediately went, okay, well, that means we share a lot, (laughs) even more of the finer things of life in in common. I love Andrew's music. I love his, his writing. Um, We just throw links to his stuff in the show notes, Brent Billings. Um, Yes, but uh, he's always been one of my favorite musicians, and my my kids uh, have loved his Wing Feather Saga. Mm. Uh, we named our dog Kalmar. Um, oh, that's where that name comes. Yeah, from. Yeah, that's where that name comes from. That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, oh yeah, just when when she said that, it was just like, oh man, not only is his story amazing, but there are like all these personal things that we love together as well. So I was really excited to be able to start texting back and forth with Kevin, then meet him mm-hmm. uh, in person. She gave me somewhere in the middle of that. Uh, she gave me his book. Um, we carry Kevin and we'll talk about that a lot today, but man, just some, just some great stuff in there. And I was really excited when I got to meet you this last year. I was a, my kids loved it. It was just a great time surrounded. You're surrounded by great people and, that was awesome. So good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Kevin, most of our listeners uh, probably don't know who you are. Some of them might, many of them probably don't know who you are. They may not. Um, a lot of people listen to us while they're driving. They probably don't get a chance to look at a photo. And there are some more obvious things that if we were sitting in the room with each other, uh, we would notice. And if all we're doing is listening to voices, we would not notice. And if we were paying attention to what Brent said, uh, we heard it and picked up on it, but maybe, could you tell us about um, some of the things, some of the circumstances, some of your situation that uh, maybe doesn't communicate quite as well through an audio format? Tell us a little bit about uh, who you are in your situation. Yeah. Um, well, it's, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to talk about, but um, I am a redhead. So <laughs> I, I have to, I have to struggle through that every day. Um, no, I, uh, so as, as Brent mentioned earlier, I have a, a rare muscular, um, uh, neuromuscular disease, uh, called spinal muscular atrophy, um, which, uh, basically the, the, the short version is that the message from my brain to my spinal cord gets kind of messed up along the way. And, um, that affects, uh, my muscles and how they react, um, just in that they're they they're weaker they don't really get to uh activate like they should and so over time they they atrophy and so um i spend most of my time in a wheelchair i I can't walk and um it kind of manifests itself differently in each person that has it um but for me i'm in a wheelchair my uh, right arm doesn't work, and um, my left arm is uh, hanging in there, but um, it's it's pretty weak as well. 
Um, I have to be careful with um, respiratory things and um, uh, energy levels and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so that that's what I deal with um, in that sense, um, kind of on a, a daily basis. And, um, you know, Marty and I both absolutely loved your book and I was really impressed by all of the setup you give for that as far as like, like there's, you have so many friends who are involved in your life and you just kind of walk through like, what is the process of bringing on a new person and helping them, um, be able to help you and care for you. And, uh, I just, I just really enjoyed, um, that process, like being able to understand, like without having actually met you, like, what is it like, um, to be one of your friends? I just really felt like I was part of it, even though, um, Mm -hmm. we haven't met. So that, that was one of the, one of the good parts about your book, I thought. And, uh, but yeah, so, so you have all these friends and, um, they were obviously instrumental in, in your trip to Europe. And how do you develop those kinds of relationships? Um, how, how do you get, I mean, it sounds like some of those, like you meet people and they're just immediately drawn to you or your story or whatever it is. And, and you just develop these friendships so quickly. Um, but maybe just talk about, talk about those friends and what they mean in your life and, and, you know, whatever you want to say about them. Mm. Yeah. How long do we get to talk for this episode? Um, I could, <laughs> I could go on for a while. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I've grown up, uh, with the, with the disabilities that I have. And so, um, my needs are very common to me. They're very normal to me. And, uh, so I, I don't always think of, um, how awkward they might be for other people or, um, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I've also always, uh, as a result, invited people to be part of, um, helping me and be part of my life. And, um, and so as I do that, um, I I guess you could say it kind of has gotten easier over the years because, um, I'm actually working on a new book right now. Um, I haven't told this to anyone. So here you go, guys. Um, uh, working on a new book about, um, inviting people into your need and allowing your need to be uh, an open door to hospitality to serve others and and love them um kind of letting whatever your weakness is letting that be uh the icebreaker if you will to love others and um and so that's something that uh, i've just kind of slowly learned throughout life and um uh you know getting to know people and then saying hey do you wanna um do you wanna help out with what I have going on and um, something with the, the trip to Europe and, and the guys that did that with me is um, that we wanted to do that um, because we were friends and the way we had to do that looked very different because of my uh, disabilities, because of my needs. And um, I think that applies to, uh, most, if not all of my friendships, which is, you know, if, if we're going to be friends, the dynamics are going to look different from what other friendships may look like. Um, if, if you want to hang out with me, you're going to have to drive my van, you know, like <laughs> you're, we're going to have to, if you want to go out to eat together, 
you might need to cut up my food kind of thing, you know, um, Mar Marty's experienced that now. And so um, there's just a level of vulnerability that uh, comes with a, a friendship um, with me. And, and I, I think part of that is rather than uh, explaining that when I meet someone, you know, I'm not going to go up to someone and be like, Hey, you're really cool. We should be friends, but you're going to have to take me to the bathroom at some point in our, in our life, you know, um, <laughs> rather than doing that, right. you just, it just starts as any other friendship and you, you start chatting and, or you're introduced to other people and, and you have shared experiences. And, um, as the friendship develops, it, it uh, just naturally goes into these deeper places of, not just me being vulnerable, but then uh, they in turn also being uh, vulnerable with me. And, and um, I, I think um, I, I read a, a book a few years ago about men and how they communicate. And uh, it said in it that most men don't go deep with more than maybe one or two other men. And I remember sitting in a coffee shop reading that and I burst out laughing. Uh, everyone looked at me, I'm like, sorry, but, uh, but it was because uh, at that time and, and even now I have like 20 guys that I get to go deep with um, on a daily basis because um, my need gives us room for that. Um, and so, uh, you know, a lot of my responsibility is, to um to foster that and then to to care for them in the process uh and not just make it all about myself um which is certainly a a challenge sometimes and, and sometimes it's pretty easy but it's that's part of life as well um, but i think that uh it creates a sustainable friendship um just like with any friendship with with anyone and I'm sure there are more details and, and it probably takes several hours to, to walk through the process with a friend, um, as you're training them. But there's, there's almost just like this simplicity to it, where it's like, if you just do it once, it's so much easier mm -hmm. going forward. Like, it's just so disarming. It's like, oh, cause you just have all these ideas in your mind about what that's going to be like. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's just this. And it's, and it's actually so simple. And, uh, I love that. I used to work for an airline and, um, I, I only had to do this a handful of times, but there's this thing called an aisle chair, um, oh, yeah. which most people, um, probably won't know about, but it is like the worst contraption imaginable. Like, you know, an airplane aisle is so narrow and you have to develop this wheelchair that will fit down that aisle. Um, which is like, it's like an airplane seat, only half the size. It's, it's crazy. Um, but there's always this rush to like get everyone on board and like, we got to have an on-time departure. And it's like, man, I wish I could just spend like an extra 10 minutes with this person because <laughs> I always felt like I, I feel like if I could just, if I could just talk to them for a few extra minutes, this would be so much easier. And it's like, I never know what I'm doing and they could probably explain it to me with just a little more time. Um, so I just, I just loved that picture of your friends, like being able to like, um, when you were at, at the, uh, at that house with, with your two friends, um, towards the beginning of your book mm. talking about like, Oh, we just, you know, we spent the morning together and we just, we just went through everything. It's like, Oh, that's so such a beautiful picture. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have a, a friend who once told me, um, he, he did 
I would say every aspect of caregiving that you can imagine with me um, over the years. We have traveled a lot together and, and everything. And um, he once told me, uh, I asked him to do something and uh, he did it. He was like, oh yeah, sure. And I, I said, was that, is that like awkward or difficult for you? And he said, well, everything you ask me to do is weird until I do it. <laughs> and then it's, and then it's normal and then it's fine. And so, like you said, Brent, it's like, it's, it's the first time um, maybe difficult because you don't have the context of the experience. Um, and then after that, you, you've done it. So there you go. And you, you move forward. Um, but also, you know, something that I've had to learn and acclimate to is that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I have friends, um, who, you know, have traveled with me. They've, they've showered me. They helped me with the restroom, um, all kinds of things. And then I have other friends who have only helped me with the restroom. And then I have other friends who have never done any of it, but they're still close and dear friends, you know? And so, um, they have their own means of, of supporting me and I support them and, and, um, so I, I think that's important to remember as well as, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, I wanted to add that qualifier that there are, uh, deep and rich friendships that, that don't involve picking me up, if you will, or carrying. Yeah. 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 It's not necessarily like a rite of passage. It's just, <laughs> right. if you're in the right place at the right time, you're going to, you're going to be involved in that. And otherwise, yeah. And, I, and so I think it's kind of a, a mindset and, uh, I don't know if this is a term, but a heart set, you know, of, of saying, well, I haven't done it, but I'm, I'm willing to when that time comes or if that time comes, you know? Yeah. I, when I read the book or I have been able to interact with you and watch this in in real time, that's what I find so compelling and moving is it's not just a, a book about the poetry of friendship. It's the book it, these are experiences and conversations about the reality mm. uh, of a different kind of friendship. And I find it instructive because the whole time I'm encountering this or listening to these perspectives or hearing these stories, I'm like, this is what like friendship should just be. Um, mm. and, and, and I'm missing out on so much because I get to take the detour from the awkward moment. I, I get to avoid those places that that your life brings people into and they they press in and it, like you said it's not very far but it's just far enough that all of a sudden a whole new layer of depth of relationship and the vulnerability the vulnerability of just being able to be around you is so uh it's just a gift in its ability to teach me things others things and that's what I, that's going to be a great book. I love that we got the exclusive dish on that. That's great, right here. You heard it first on the Baymo podcast. There you go. Yeah, and we'll we'll keep an eye on that whenever um, whenever you have uh, a link for that when people can buy it. I'll add it to our show notes so people who are listening in the future will be able to find that. Thanks. Yeah. So speaking of books, um, this book that I read of yours, we carry Kevin, appropriately titled. Um, Two parts of this, I mean, the whole thing was just great. Five stars for me, which Brent will tell you. Five stars is a, I mean, that's a, that's a rare, that's like a, an endangered species for me on my Goodreads, but nevertheless. Um, 
we it this just a couple spots that just really I I I remember every time I think of your book. First of all, chapter 17 titled My View from Here. You're coming back on your trip to Europe from Skellig Michael, which is the island where they famously filmed Luke Skywalker in the most recent episodes and Ray when she goes to visit him. And um you're coming back from that and you have this chapter where for a bulk of the chapter you have this conversation with Jesus and was just one of the finest things I have ever read. Like, it was just so beautifully communicated. I remember calling my wife into my on, my office, trying to read it to her, and I'm just we I'm weeping too hard to to communicate and read the chapter out loud to her. It was just so good. Um, so I'll let everybody else buy the book so they can read that chapter as well. Um, but uh, then you have this other part that I found super interesting. I wanted to uh, see how what else you would comment on this. You have a chapter. You, you talk about you're in Europe. Uh, you you go to visit this church. Um, that uh, you're hanging out with this group of believers in another country, and they invite you to kind of this back room of the church where there's a statue of the Virgin Mary, and like they're trying to explain to you like we want to pray for your healing, and and at first you're not um, really really you know, it's not registering and, and I'll read a little bit of it. If you're okay with that, Kevin, are you okay with me reading a little bit of your book? Sure. Sure. All right. I love that. All right, here we go. Uh, still, it wasn't setting in. Uh, there have been many miracles to happen there. She added, and that's when it clicked. Now I grew up in the South where well-meaning charismatics run amok. Countless are the times I've been offered healing prayer or invited to healing services by friends and strangers alike. This wouldn't necessarily catch me off guard or even bother me all that much, except that this time I was without my wheelchair. I had, I had found that outside my wheelchair, the world looked very different. And with that revelation, I expected the different looking world to see me differently, but that wasn't the case. For months, the focus had been on how cool it was that my friends were carrying me. They had been the miracle, not legs getting fixed. My disease had been overcome. It had been cured by my friends and me finding a way around it. No longer did it matter if I or anyone else was technically disabled. We'd proven that life could be lived regardless. That is a miracle. That is the healing power. That is the kingdom of heaven. And yet here we stood in a 1,500-year-old sanctuary being told it wasn't enough. I just thought that was unbelievably profound perspective um, and and just wanted to uh, let's see what what's the question I have in my in my notes. Could you speak to that experience um, a, as you go back even now uh, some years later, thinking back to that? Like, t- tell me more. I, that, that part captivated me. Man, I I'm trying to think of, of what to share from there. Um, so I, I would actually like to uh, share a little bit about what happened next, like as a result of that attempt by by these these people to um, heal me or, or to pray for healing. Um, if that's okay, I'll just continue the story a little bit. The floor is yours. I'm I'm excited. In a, in an attempt to answer your question, um, so uh, and and this can be found in the book probably. Uh, worded a bit more smoothly than I'll do right now. But um, so, yeah, we, we were in this old church. You know, we were in, in France. And so there was kind of a language barrier. And um, 
that was part of part of what was the the slow uptake on on my part. <laughs> um, what what are they talking about? And then it, it clicked, and um, so we actually ended up saying, okay, we'll we'll go back and look at the statue, um, but we we really don't want you to pray over me. Um, and uh, they they said, okay, that was good enough for them. And so we went back there and they left us for a few minutes. And, um, and then my friends and I, uh, found a quiet corner after that, just to, um, be on our own for a few minutes, but they found us again. And, um, one of the ladies, uh, long story short, um, suggested that I, uh, couldn't be healed because I didn't have enough faith. And, um, and the guys realized how, uh, how that hit me and how that uh, really messed me up in the moment. I, I kind of shut down and uh, it was, it's a, the part of the memory that really sticks with me the most. When this story comes up, this moment is uh, what, what stays with me the most because when they realized what it did to me, uh, they leaned in and they said, Kevin, what do you want to do? And I, I, just barely managed to say as I was shutting down, I, I said, I need to get out of here. And it was like they turned into the Navy SEALs. Like they just <laughs> they threw me on their backs and we just bolted for the door and we were gone like in seconds. And uh, it was raining outside, which is why we had ended up in the church in the first place. That didn't matter to us anymore. Like they just, they went straight for the, um, the Metro, you know, and, and we made our way back to, to our apartment. Um, and so I, that's kind of my, my first thought is, um, you know, just as you read Marty, the, the miracle that we had experienced, uh, is the miracle that I've experienced my whole life, which is that, um, that the Lord has put, uh, such rich friendships in my life and, and such amazing people, um, you know, brothers and sisters, people that uh, love him and his his uh, his work in their hearts have led them to, um, you know, the, this relationship that we have where um, my miracle, my healing is that um, I don't need the arms and legs that work because I have theirs, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's, uh, that's more than enough for me because um, you know, it's one thing to be able to climb a mountain and see a beautiful view, <clears throat> but what I get to experience is climbing a mountain and seeing a beautiful view with people that I love and people that love me. Um, I, I get this amazing, rich um, experience in life of sharing my experiences with others and and getting to. Uh, witness theirs as well, you know, and so, um, part of the miracle is the community. Um, it's not a, uh, I don't know how you, how you would say it, but yeah, that's, that's the miracle. And, and so I feel like that's the perfect picture of it of, wow, these guys, um, they loved me so much that in the moment they just snapped into place and, and took care of me, took care of the whole thing. 
Um, but then the other part of that is that on the way home on the metro and getting back to our apartment and getting ready for bed and and everything, I was kind of I was I was still shut down and I was having my own conversation with the Lord uh, inside. It was just us, mm-hmm. and um, you know I'm so glad that you mentioned the the conversation at the end of the book with Jesus because. Um, that is kind of the pinnacle or the the example of really what's going on in the rest of the book is just this conversation with the Lord through experiences. And so um, it really lines up well with this part uh, of the story in in France, because I, uh, I needed to remember that my identity was in Christ and not in um, my success or failure with disability, um, you know, because I, if, if my identity was in Christ, when someone said they wanted to pray to fix my body, then it would not have bothered me as much. But apparently in that moment, I was, I, I had two other options. One was to be identifying with my disability or, uh, Toting around a new identity of overcoming the disability, mm. um, neither of which are actually are actually right or okay. <laughs> My identity needs to be in the forgiveness and and um, and love of Jesus Christ, <laughs> and so um, that's where we are not shaken. Right? That's where where the word says we won't be ashamed or won't be put to shame, and so. Um, yeah, I just I had this this wrestling with the Lord on the way home, and and what He reminded me of was um, in uh, I think it's it's one of Peter's letters, first or second Peter. He he says um, he refers to our faith, and and he says our faith, and he he, he describes it as our faith, comma the salvation of our souls, mm. right? The outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Like that's the outcome of our faith mm-hmm. is salvation, not, you know, finances or physical healing or mm. friendships or, you know, any of it. All of that is just uh, extra blessing. It's just a, a perk, you know, but right. but the um, the outcome of our faith is a relationship with him and the salvation of our souls. So um, yeah, I just I had to be reminded of that and brought back into the center and refocused. And um, he was faithful to do that as he always is. Yeah. You bring that phrase right back around in that 17th chapter that I love so much. Um, mm. And, and I loved how you dropped that at the, right at the spot that you did in that chapter. Because it is, and it's, and and just to be clear, like we have a lot of our our listeners are from a more charismatic tradition and participate in some of those things. So mm-hmm. not, to, I love what you just called it. Actually, a moment ago, you called it like the extra blessings. That's like the, right. it's like the extra perks. It's like the the icing on the cake when we get to experience those things. But mm-hmm. but the but the actual like the the goodness we're after is something else. And I yeah, I have often wondered when you like read the Gospel of John and Jesus tells his disciples you will do greater things than these, referring to the things that he has done. You'll do greater things than these. And and you think to yourself, like, how in the world could that be possible? Unless what Jesus is referring to 
is the things that we, plural, will all do together through the power of his spirit. And I think of you saying, I could climb the mountain on my own, or I could climb the mountain through the community and friendship and assistance and help and grace and generosity and hospitality of others. Mm -hmm. Which is the bigger miracle? Which is the greater thing? Yeah, and isn't that the kingdom? Right, right. Right. (laughs) So I just think that is part of what I learned from your story Mm. and part of what you graciously teach us as I as you tell it and and I just love that so Brent what do you have well I was just thinking um if you want to share one of the things you mentioned in the book is that uh being in the backpack all of a sudden put you at a perspective two and a half feet higher than you had been used to your whole life and I, I think there's just so many of us um basically all of us who have gone through life with the exact same perspective. And maybe we don't have that opportunity to, to get that two and a half foot higher perspective, but I'm just wondering if there's any other stories, um, any other experiences you've had maybe outside of the book uh, or outside of what you wrote about in the book that um, can help us have some sort of change in perspective that we can um, see things that we would otherwise miss. Yeah. Change in perspective. Um, well, ironically, <clears throat> speaking of a, a change in perspective, I, uh, I just to, to go back to this story about the, the church in France for a second, I, uh, was actually writing about it this week again for, for something else. And, um, I realized, you know, that my my wrestling and my shutting down my uh my whole experience uh was between me and the lord and the problem was me not not these people who were asking to to pray for me and, and everything it's uh you know it was <laughs> a it was part of their job but it was also um they really had a conviction to do this you know and so um i i think you know, for anyone that looks for the book and and sees that out and, and reads that part, um, I don't think it come, comes across this way. But um, I just I I like you said, Marty. We you know I do want to be careful that um, you know the Lord works in these ways, and and if He chooses to do that in my own life, that that will be uh, wonderful. But um, you know the. In that moment, the the issue was my own identity and and where I was placing my my focus and my hope, and so um, that's something I, I realized uh, this week as I was looking back on that story. Actually, um, as far as a perspective that they they weren't wrong in what they did, and um, yeah, just offering them some some grace within that that moment. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's funny because when when um, I'm in the backpack, I am my chin is about the height of the the top of the head of whoever is carrying me. So um, you know, if someone's five foot, I'm I'm going to be about five foot and you know what five six inches above that. And so uh, if someone's six foot eight, you know, I'm going to be a little bit taller, but um, uh, it's really amazing because most of my life I've spent looking at um, belt buckles and book bags, you know, and, and needing to look up to um, see people's faces. And suddenly I am 
thrust into the air, not only at eye level, but actually above that oftentimes. <clears throat> and it, it's uh, remarkable what you get to see from up there. Um, I, I remember one day we were at the train station and we were looking for a friend and um, and everyone was like looking to me to, to find them because they were like, well, you're the tallest one, you know, figure it out for us. And uh, that is not, that has never been the case in my entire life until that moment. So I'm thankful for that. But, um, you know, the, the other thing about this is that, um, and not to sound like a broken record, but I, I was only that height because of my friends and because of the, the community around me. And so, um, Brent, to your question, I, I think something that we can learn and, and take to heart is that friendships and, and relationships and interacting with the world around us and our community uh, gives us a new depth perception. Um, so the, the more you get to know people, you, you get their perspective and you, um, yeah, you, you just suddenly your world goes from, let's say our own perspective is two-dimensional and then we add some people, it becomes a little more 3D and a little more and a little more. Um, until next thing you know, you're in this whole <laughs> cosmos of, of uh, brilliant depth and, and you're, you're beyond 3D, you know, because you're in a community of people um, and it, it just gives you this new depth perception that um, I really appreciate that I, I um, again, with the vulnerability of um, being in the friendships that I have, I get to experience that a lot. You, you know, one of the things... Kevin, as I've spent time with you or, or even been able to, to just admire you from afar um, and what you do, it, you always have this um, sense of joy. Like the perfect example of this was when I asked you to describe, you know, tell us, you know, if you're not visually sitting in the same room with you, tell us about your, and you crack a joke about being a redhead. I mean, just such a, uh, there's such a levity to your personality um, a, a complete lack of complaining or resentment. Um, you are unbelievably gracious and kind to others. And I know, I'm sure you have your days. Uh-huh. I'm sure. Um, but where does that come from? How do you, how do you pull that off in your life? How can you go through the things that you have to experience every single day and come out of that with this? Yeah, it's just, it's very admirable. So tell me more about where that might come from or, or what you think we might be looking at there. I mean, it comes from Jesus, you know, that's <laughs> at the core of it. That's, that's really it. It's a relationship with the Lord that, uh, that gives me hope and joy and um, sustains me through um, difficult things, uh, which there are, there are difficult things with um, my disability. Um, and so I guess maybe to, to spread that out more and say, you know, we, with Jesus being the umbrella and, uh, you know, he comes through these different things. I, I grew up in a home, um, with, um, two siblings, a brother and a sister. My sister also has, uh, spinal muscular atrophy. And so, um, we grew up, um, having each other to understand what we were going through, um, which I think really helped to, uh, alleviate any potential um, buildup of bitterness or frustration 
uh, that there was always somebody else there who said, I get it. I know. And, and, uh, and I'm right next to you through all of this. Um, likewise, I, you know, my brother is, um, uh, I mean, he grew up to be a, a cartoonist. Like he's, he's just full of fun and, um, imagination. And so, uh, as well as my sister and I are too. And, and, um, my, my parents are, uh, with, with a lot of, uh, grace, they are, um, go-getters, you know, they're, they're not going to be told no, they're going to, um, really just take life by the, by the horns and, and go for it. And, uh, and so, yeah, I just grew up in a very creative, fun, uh, home that was full of life and, uh, and Christ was at the center of that. And so I, I think that's where a lot of it comes from is, um, is that it's been fostered in me, um, since, since day one. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I think my, my parents, my siblings have a lot to do with that. And, uh, and then, um, you know, growing up, you, you eventually move out of your parents' house. You eventually don't live with your siblings and, and you have to make decisions of your own. And, um, I, you know, with my walk with the Lord and with, um, my friendships and the people around me, I have just over the years had to make very conscious decisions to, um, choose joy and to choose hope and to, to look to the Lord, um, over and over. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a daily decision. Um, I, I often say that I, I grew up in a home where we woke up in the morning and said, uh, what can I do today? And what do I want to do today? And you find, you find the marriage between those two and you kind of push the envelope of what you can do. And you, um, you're okay with what you can't. And you, yeah, you just kind of find the balance. And so similarly, um, living, you know, as an adult with a disability, I have to wake up each day and give it to the Lord, you know? And, um, like you said, Marty, that's, (laughs) I I don't always do that well. (laughs) Um, that definitely is the case. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't think we, we've been, um, well, we are called to holiness, but I don't think we're expected in this life to be perfect, we're expected to uh, come running back to him. And, um, and so my, my hope is that I continue to do that. And that's my, my aim. And uh, that's how I keep the, keep the joy and the humor going. Um, And then, you know, the last part of that is um, the friends that I choose to surround myself with and the, um, well, it's not even just the friends. It's the the friends I choose to be around, and the uh, the books I choose to read, the movies I choose to watch, the music I choose to listen to. I, you know, it's uh, you know what you put in is gonna come out because it goes in, it hangs out in your heart, and then it comes out. And um, so I I have to make the conscious decision and, and uh, the right moves to put things in that are going to foster joy and hope and love and, and care for others. Um, I have to make the 
decision every day to put others first, um, even though I'm the one that has the, the clear need. Um, I need to um, put them first. And so as a, as a small example of that is when <clears throat> each day um, uh, we have a, a different guy that comes over and gets me up in the morning and um, it's all volunteer. As a side note, it's um, all the guys that come and get me up in the morning, give me a shower and get me dressed. Um, they're all just friends who do it because they're friends. Um, they're not paid caregivers or nurses or anything. And, uh, and so when they arrive, um, they, they walk into the house. Uh, Katie greets them at the door and uh, you know, offers a cup of coffee and uh, they come in and I'm laying in bed ready to go. And my mind's been racing of what I need to do for the day. But what I have to do is very intentionally, when they walk through the door, the first thing that I have to say is, how are you doing? You know, and put them first. Um, because I, and, and there's something, it, it's still difficult, but it's almost easier because I know that they are there to put me first. So I don't have to worry about myself. I can put them first, you know? And so it's just such a testament of the, the friendships that I don't even have to worry about myself. I get to worry about them because they're, they're going to take care of me. So it, it almost seems like you have a very, um, you're, you're a human being like the rest of us. You battle with a lot of the same things yeah. that we, <laughs> and yet you also have these circumstances that are, not only a struggle, but you've also turned them into a gift and an ability to mm. remind you of things that we probably too quickly in a more normative experience mm. forget ever. These things should be true for each and every one of us. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, so I think in a lot of ways you've even gotten into that next question we had. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you about your nonprofit, Kevin, can you, can you tell us more about your nonprofit and the work that you do there? Sure. Um, yeah. So the nonprofit, as, as Brent mentioned at the beginning, is called We Carry Kevin. That same name as the book. It was the the name of our uh, project, I guess you could say, of going to Europe. Um, when we did a fundraiser and everything, we just put it all under that name. So um, the it, it came out of um, our our efforts to go to Europe um, because when that kind of got picked up by social media and and news and, and everything, um, we started hearing from families from all over the world, uh, hundreds of families that said, where did you get this backpack? And where did you get these friends? And, and how are you making this happen? And, um, and, and I realized um, a couple of things. I realized that it wasn't going to be a formula, you know, you know, just um, it's not a five-step plan to to have friends like this or to have a backpack or or anything. Um, and uh, and also, I could not possibly be that uh, that close and intentional of a friend to all these people. <laughs> you know, I'm one person, and so um, so I I went to. Um, a couple of friends, uh, a pastor of mine and, and um, 
and just a few others. In fact, uh, Tony and Maria Fingerly, they were, they were part of this too. And, um, just sat down with them and said, uh, we need to create, uh, an entity, uh, a space, if you will, um, for us to, to drive all this, <laughs> all this traffic. When, when families write and ask these questions, uh, I need to point them somewhere. And so, um, we, developed this nonprofit um, and our our goal is to mobilize families with disabilities um, by like coming alongside them and and helping them redefine uh, accessibility as we know it um, so that it's not all about uh, elevators and automatic doors and wheelchairs and uh, government, you know, help and hired caregivers, all of these things are great and, uh, and are helpful. Um, but we also need to think outside the box and, and, uh, realize that, uh, you don't want to put an elevator on Skellig Michael where Luke Skywalker was, you know, that's, that's, that's not appropriate, but, uh, if you think outside the box and get some friends to carry you in a backpack, then you can be there. And um, and so that's kind of how it started. And we we uh, since then that was in 2017 um, that we started the nonprofit. And then another aspect of that is that we uh, started working with a backpack company to take the idea that we did for the backpack and. Um, make it uh on a, a massive scale for for more families to use uh so it's a completely adaptable customizable carrier to put someone in and um we we started distributing those uh about two years ago and um since then we have uh been able to distribute about 600 of them in uh almost 30 countries wow um around the world and uh, we we actually we should be getting a new shipment uh, this week, and um, about half of it is going to go right out the door because we have um, people waiting for them. So uh, the need is there, um, and you know our hope down the road is for it to not just be backpacks, but that's what uh, what the Lord has given us uh, for now. That's what's in front of us. So we want to steward that well and. Um, and get that to families who can use it and, uh, and help them also realize that, you know, the backpack is great, but there's a a deeper message behind the backpack, which is coming together and, um, and having community around you and friends and family and, um, guys, the, the stories that we've gotten from families, uh, the photos we've gotten in the videos are, are just unbelievable. Um, of, you know, you get to see where, uh, where families used to have to split up where, you know, dad would stay with this, you know, kid because he's in a wheelchair while mom took the others further up the trail or, you know, whatever they had to do. Now the family is going together and you get to see this family unit at the peak of a mountain or walking on a frozen lake or, you know, uh, exploring a cave somewhere and um it's just yeah it's been really amazing to to get to be part of those stories and and those lives 
And um, so last year we started a, a new aspect of that, which is that we're actually going and visiting some of these families. And, um, and then we, we find where a few of them live in the same area and we do a, a hike together um, so that they get to meet and, and experience an adventure uh, as a group, kind of coming alongside them and fostering community with them and um, just doing that by example um, and, and being, being friends with them as best we can. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a really cool experience so far and, and looking forward to seeing where the Lord takes it next. Yeah. One of the things that I, I think I really appreciate in your process of making the backpack uh, that you talked about in the book is your own involvement in what's happening. Um, uh, the, the line that I highlighted was while Tom and the fabricators worked to make the pack more comfortable, I worked toward higher pain tolerance and we met somewhere in the middle. So it's not like you're expecting the backpack to be this like magical device that just solves all the problems. Like you still, you still have a part to play. And, and, you know, you talked about it later on in the book, like when you were in pain, like taking that pain and using that as a way to focus your attention on what you're experiencing and not just focus on how, how terrible it is, but use it to enhance the experience. Um, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you, um, are hearing back from people, those types of experiences where they've, they've gone out with the backpacks. Um, I mean, 600 backpacks is just crazy. Like you've got to have some stories of people who have gone out and they've experienced something that they weren't expecting or in a way that they weren't expecting. Um, and then, and then what can people do to help you, um, with your nonprofit to, to help give that to, to even more people? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, you're right. I mean, we have so many stories and, and what I love I think what I love the most actually is uh, is getting to hear and see these stories of families that I don't know they just blow my mind with what they're doing. You know, I, it's I yeah they're they're coming up with ideas of what to do and how to do it uh, with the backpacks that are are far beyond what I would have expected or anything that I would personally do. You know and. Uh, just uh, it, I love that they own it. Like they, they really own it and make it their own thing. Um, and so, you know, I know there's a family um, actually in Ohio. Uh, they live on a farm, and the mom uh, takes her son out in the backpack every day to do the chores, to feed the chickens and the goats and the the pigs and and everything. And so he. Uh, he's in the backpack, but you know, he's at the right height where he can, uh, throw the seed out for the chickens or hold the water bucket to take over to, to the goats and different stuff like that. And they just, I mean, they use it every day for this like really practical thing that the mom could go out and do on her own, but she wants to experience it with her son. And, uh, I just think that's a really beautiful picture of, of family and, and a mom saying, well, other parents would, you know, have their kids come out and do the chores with them for a, a bonding and growing experience. This is how we have to do it with my son. And um, so I love that. There there have been, um, you know, I mentioned a, a frozen lake. I, I talked to a family recently and 
they showed me a picture and I thought that the they were just standing out on like a, a a field that was covered in snow. And the mom said, Oh no, that's that's water under us. It's frozen over. We walked out to a an island that you normally can't get to. You know, <laughs> like what? <laughs> I I'm not gonna do that. And yet you guys did that. That's so amazing. Um and uh they you know, we've had pictures from like families in Russia and um Colorado, you know, like different places with a lot of mountains and um just really beautiful views that were not easy to get to and yet they they make it happen. Um and and then at the same time we have families like we heard from one, uh I think they were in the Philippines, uh where they uh, in in or so you can uh, as a side note, you can either buy a backpack or you can apply for a scholarship. And one of the questions in the scholarship is um if you get this backpack, how will it be used? Like how how will it benefit you and your family? And uh and so this one family wrote and I think they were in the Philippines and they they said, Well, um our child has a wheelchair but we don't have a vehicle and we can't get his wheelchair on the bus and we can't afford a, a handicapped taxi. And so if we have your backpack, we can put him in the backpack and get on the bus and actually take him to his doctor appointments. You know, like, so, so you have these like outrageous fun adventures and then you have really practical needs that get to be met. And uh, all the while these kids are experiencing uh, a new and, and, uh, um, a new level of attachment um, of being on their parents' backs or their siblings' backs or their friends' backs. And um, I, I've always felt like the backpack is an invitation where whoever is carrying the person is saying, I want you with me and I want you right here by my ear and right here at my eye level so that I can hear you and you can see what I'm seeing. Like, I mean, you're literally attached to someone's back. There's a, there's a connection that happens between the two people. Um, that's really important, I think, for, for humanity. <laughs> and and uh, I've, I've been thankful for it in my own friendships. Um, but yeah, so, so, you know, a, a tool that my friends and I came up with for a silly, you know, you could call it a silly adventure to Europe has now become uh, something that can really um, be life-changing for families and, and kids. Um, so we're, we're thankful to be part of that. And, and you asked how people can be involved. Um, so I, I mentioned that the uh, people can apply for scholarships for the backpack. I would say um, about half, maybe a little over half of the backpacks that we distribute are uh, through that scholarship. Um, but in order to give those away, we need to have them sponsored and, and covered on our end. And so, um, on the website, there's a way to sponsor a backpack. Um, you can do it yourself or get a group of friends to do it. Um, that, that's a, a great way for people to be involved. And then, uh, you know, we have a, um, a mailing list and, and all of that good stuff. Um, a, a big thing that people can do to help is um, just spread the story, you know, share 
Um, share what you hear on this podcast. Share what you what you read, or um, if you look us up on YouTube, and just uh, continue to spread the story to let it inspire others. And also, I would say, however it inspires you to take action, um, do that. You know, whether it's you know finding somewhere to volunteer, you know, with um, somewhere with disabilities or just opening the door for someone. I, I think the the greatest thing that, that we can do, both able-bodied and disabled people, the, the greatest thing we can do in the context of this, um, what we're talking about, you know, friendship and disability and accessibility, um, the greatest thing we can do is to take notice and make ourselves pay attention and and uh and just love others and um you know come alongside them whether that's extremely by saying hey i'd love to you know help you out with caregiving or your needs um or can i pick up groceries for you you know the the big things or just sit with them you know (laughs) like meet them in a coffee shop and say hi um like uh actually like how i met Tony and Maria, uh, you know, I, Maria walked in and saw me and was like, hey, how are you? How are you today? And that was how our friendship began. And um, so I think if we just make ourselves aware, make ourselves sensitive to what's going on around us and um, what the Lord would like to do through that, that would be a, a great start. I'll, I'll um, finish by saying that uh, I, so I, I told the guys before the the show that I've been reading through second Corinthians. And one of the biggest things that has stuck out to me is that um, at one point, Paul is raving about the the church in Macedonia and um, how he's seeing their heart to serve others and love others and to to provide for them and care for them. (laughs) And, uh, and he said, uh, how does he put it? He says, this uh, was the greatest thing to us is that they actually gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us and to to those around us to serve. And so, um, yeah, I just would want to reiterate that, that our our first step is to uh, seek the Lord and to surrender to him. And then with that, strength and that joy and that hope and that um sustainability that we find in him then we move forward and we love those around us um i think that's the greatest thing we can be doing i i love how appropriate the idea would be of a group of people sponsoring a backpack how how appropriate would be Mm. a group of friends right uh yeah that'd be That'd be well done. Um, well, Kevin, we're not done with you yet. You're sticking around to help us talk about the Gospel of John. We're going to dive back into our verse by verse, and you're you're gonna you're gonna hang out in the next episode with us to add your perspective, which I'm awesome, very excited about. Is there anything else we need to know about Kevin Chandler? Anything else we've left out that we would be remiss if we didn't talk about? Um, I don't think so. If there is, we'll bring it up next time. Who knows? I love the fact that there's a next time. I love it. (laughs) Me too. All right. Well, uh, as far as people getting connected to you, I assume your uh, We Carry Kevin website is probably the best way to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. All right. Well, we'll have links to that in the show notes. 
but that does it for this episode, Kevin. We're very glad that you had a chance to join us. Um, if you want to get a hold of Marty, you can find him on Twitter at Marty Solomon. I'm at EIBCB, and you can find more details about the show at BayamaDeceptionship.com. So thanks for joining us on the Baymont Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.